Be still and know that God is here. Be still and know that God is here. Be still and know that God is here. In the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen. Pray with me. God, our God, you have called us to be a people on the move, traveling light, dying to live, ready to lose ourselves for the sake of the world. You have called us to be a people with a purpose, traveling without a map, traveling to where we are led, sustained by your spirit, committed to the gospel for the hope of the world. You have called us, your people, to be the church. But we are a church with problems. Too strong for the weak, too staid for the young, too respectable for the poor, too divided for mission, too afraid to speak the truth, too afraid to change, too obsessed with our own lives to think of the lives of others, too unsure of our message to speak to the world. Move us on our journey from where we are to where you want us to be, so that we become a community where all are welcomed, no one is excluded, all are valued, and no one feels inadequate, all are forgiven, and no one is ashamed to belong, all are encouraged, and no one is too hurt to come among us. Lead us on our journey from who we are to who you want us to be, so that patience is built into us, kindness is assumed in us, gentleness is part of us, compassion flows from us, truth is second nature to us, and the commitment of love is part of us. Let us go gladly on the journey towards Easter, the journey towards death and resurrection. Let us journey in the peace and power of the Spirit. Amen. Good morning and welcome again to this Lenten journey. This time when the symbology of the weather outside so keenly resembles the inner landscape of our hearts and souls of this time of year and especially in this prolonged season of separation. Oh, how I miss each and every one of you. During Lent, we are invited to look inward to find places in our lives and in our community needing to be exposed and wrestled with in order to realign our lives with our best intentions and commitments as followers of Christ. And as important as that work is, sometimes I suspect that can be a very hard sell, especially if you have spent some of your life feeling beaten up by some of the church's teachings. I get it. I have as well. As a woman, as a lesbian, as a mother of a child of color, as a lifelong doubter and seeker, as one who lives to question and push the boundaries from time to time, I have felt that hurt harshly and directly in many ways over my lifetime. Many of us from various walks of life 
have understandably wrestled with messages from the church at large that are rooted in shame and blame. Members of historically marginalized communities of all sorts have had their, their share of words weaponized and used against them. Words like sin, guilt, repentance, and judgment have been jettisoned at us with dire results, and we have the spiritual scars to prove it. Teachings that have undermined, invalidated, or disrespected our sacred lived experiences have pushed many of us away from the church, and only some of us have returned. I think God, thank God for a community like Trinity, a community like ours that is eager to be a place of healing and renewed faith, a place wanting to see all of our lived experiences as sacred. The burden of emotional labor placed on those who have been hurt by the church is real and cannot nor should not go unaddressed. As an institution, the church must itself make amends, acknowledge the damage that has been done, seek repentance, and then move forward towards reconciliation and healing. So what do we do with all of that at, the at this season of Lent as we begin this penitential and reflective season together. With only a little trepidation, I want to claim that in spite of, or maybe even perhaps because of all of this, we, we who claim the church as a home and an inspiration for our lives, we are called into being a significant agent of the change that is necessary. We are called to be the change we want to see. Together, I'm going to step us right up into the reality of today. We are the church and we are many things. And I wanna call out some of those things that I think we need realignment on today. During this season, I want us to be able to acknowledge that we are too white, too divided, too scared, too biased, too independent, too ignorant, too demanding, too loud, sometimes too quiet, too self-sufficient, and often too lost at times. Often we mean well, and yet we still stumble and falter. We believe that there is a better, more inclusive, more diverse community just waiting for us in the future but somehow we don't know what steps to take to get there. We say that we're ready to be the change we know we need, but how do we start and what do we do? I believe Lent this year can move us down the road on this journey towards becoming a church ready to learn and to change. I believe Lent this year can help us grow and move ever closer to becoming what Martin Luther King Jr. and others before him called the beloved community. So strap in. We are going to do some Lenten traveling this season. It may be hard at times, but we will speak the truth in love. We will trust the peace and the power of the Spirit to lead us towards healing and hope, and eventually to the promise of the resurrection on Easter morning. I want to begin this journey with a brief introduction 
to the initiative of the worldwide Episcopal Church known as Becoming Beloved Community. It is a commitment that came out of the 2015 78th General Convention of the Episcopal Church. The General Convention is the triennial gathering of all the Episcopal clergy and four lay members from every church in every diocese. There are 100 dioceses in the United States and 11 Episcopal dioceses across the world. These representatives make up the two decision-making bodies, the House of Deputies and the House of Bishops. With nearly a thousand representatives discerning and making decisions for our denomination, we have the second largest legislative body in the world. Every piece of legislation must be passed by both houses to become the church's practice. We are a bicameral legislature, just like our federal system of government governance. In fact, many of the nations and the church founders were one in the same. In 2015, responding to the troubling concerns in our country, such as human trafficking, the detention of children, mass incarceration, and gun violence, General Convention, this worldwide governing body of ours, discerned and affirmed a fresh commitment and call to racial justice, reconciliation, and healing. Since 2017, under the leadership of our current presiding bishop, the Right Reverend Michael Curry, this initiative has challenged our predominantly white, resourced, formerly educated, and predominantly homogenous denomination to enter into an extended season of reflection and action. The work challenges each community of faith throughout the world to courageously address racial injustice and embrace the work of becoming reconcilers, justice makers, and healers who share a passion for the dream of God. I want to pause for a minute and let you hear the words and invitation into this loving, liberating, life-giving work directly from Bishop Curry. And while this message was recorded months ago, it is as timely today as ever. Jesus came and through the way of love showed us how to be right and reconciled with the God who created us and has shown us how to be right and reconciled with each other as children of that one God who has created us all and as brothers and sisters. In so doing, the teachings, the life, the spirit, the person, the death, the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth are pointing the way through the way of love to the beloved community. Now I know that there may be a sense in which notions of the beloved community of God, phrases like that may sound nice, but naive, may be idealistic, but unrealistic. I've been around a while, and yet the truth is, the beloved community is not just idealistic, and it is not naive. And the alternative to the beloved community is unthinkable. We cannot, we must not, and we will not go there. 
The truth is, Jesus has shown us the way people of goodwill, of all stripes and types and religious traditions, following the way of love, can find the way to the beloved community. Moments of crisis are times of decision. And this is a time of decision. And we who follow Jesus of Nazareth have made a decision to follow the way that leads to beloved community. Included with this video and with the written transcript of it are resources that may be helpful so that you and we together as the Episcopal Church can participate in the work of Jesus, following his way, the work of racial reconciliation, the work of reconciling us beyond all our divisions, the work of working together with God and all people of goodwill to realize the beloved community of God. And maybe, maybe the wisdom of the past can help us even now. Where do we go from here? The old slaves of the antebellum South used to sing, walk together children, and don't you get weary, cause there's a great camp meeting in the promised land. God love you, God bless you, and keep the faith. Thank you, Bishop Curry. So let's get to it and let's not get weary we can and we will and we must be the change God dreams for us, the dream of becoming beloved community. So how will we do that? Over the coming weeks, we will hold up our baptismal promises, one each week, and explore in the context of this season where it may help lead us on our journey. The Becoming Beloved Community Initiative also encourages us to hold up the ancient symbol and image of a labyrinth. A labyrinth is an ancient complex and circuitous path that leads from a beginning point to a center. As we continue to move towards reconciliation, we travel this circuitous path, doubling back, often touching places we have traveled before, yet each time discovering something new and fresh to carry forward. As we travel this labyrinth, we are continually touching four practices that lead to becoming beloved community. And over the remaining four weeks of Lent, we'll touch on each of those individual practices. We are asked to examine our own hearts as well as our collective heart to see how we might grow into this dream of becoming beloved community, a dream of becoming multiracial, a dream of becoming multicultural in all that we are, in all that we say, and all that we do. As we move forward, we are wise to remember our ancient religious roots. In our tradition, we ground our faith in the promises made or made on our behalf at the time of our baptism. There are five promises, and together they empower us to be agents of love, working for the kinship of God. Each week, we will hold up one of those promises. But first, let's turn to the gospel lesson today. Today we meet Jesus as he comes up out of the waters of the river Jordan, newly baptized and affirmed as God's beloved. And then we head out into the wilderness with him 
as he starts the discernment of a lifetime, preparing himself for what will not only be a life-changing journey for him, but for all followers of Christ ever after. The Gospel writer of Mark doesn't give us a lot of details. Remember, he is more just the facts man storyteller, rather unlike his brothers Matthew and Luke. What we hear this morning is a brief synopsis of what must have been a fairly circuitous journey over the course of 40 days among wild beasts and being attended to by angels. We will start our Lenten journey holding up as we go out into the wilderness this first baptismal promise in which in its own way also provides a circuitous invitation. That question is this. Will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in the prayers? In this context for me, this question also informs a desire to become beloved community in this way. It underscores the importance of beginning or perhaps reclaiming how important it is that we engage what it means to be faithful disciples of Christ coming together, worshiping, praying, learning, and teaching ourselves how to be disciples. For only then, with clarity and urgency, will we be able to fix our minds and our hearts on addressing issues of racial injustice and diversity as a gospel mandate, as an unavoidable requirement of our baptismal promises and our faith journey. Without the reminder of this starting point, I fear that we will be tempted to go it alone. We will be tempted to make the mistake that we think we know best, to forget that we are dependent on a God who loves us and is always calling us home, that we are dependent on each other, and that we are steeped in a story much bigger and much deeper than any of us can ever write on our own. As Bishop Curry reminded us, some may call this, and even us, naive. That's okay with me, because you and I know otherwise. We know that the ways that we gather to pray and to sing and to learn and to ask for forgiveness and to receive God's blessings are anything but naive, anything but simple. Those acts, those faithful acts of worship, again and again and again, form a kind of sp spiritual groove in our souls. They are the place that we return to, to seek the source of God's love. So today we begin out into the wilderness, taking along with us this first baptismal promise. Pay attention this week to anything that might look like a wild beast or to an angel. I suspect neither will be in short supply. In the coming weeks, we'll dive deeper into the four remaining baptismal promises and explore how they interrelate with the Becoming Beloved initiative. But for today, today we start our journey in the wilderness and in the promise that we are not alone as we go out together. I want to end this morning asking us to read the words of another beautiful prayer, this one written by the Reverend James Forbes, a Baptist preacher and teacher and one of my earliest seminary professors from Union Theological Seminary. 
I hope we take it as food for the journey, food for our hungry Lenten souls. Let these words sustain us this week and in the days ahead. Pray with me. O God of love, power, and justice, who wills the freedom and fulfillment of all your children, we thank you for the constancy of your loving kindness and tender mercies towards us. We know you are rebuilding the network of compassion around new visionaries who you have assembled for this work. Surprise us with the discovery of how much power we have to make a difference in our day, a difference in the way we meet, greet, respect, and protect the rights of each other, a difference in the breadth of our vision of what is possible, a difference in the way government, business, and labor can work together for justice and social enrichment. Strengthen us to face reality with compassion and the spirit of sacrifice and to withstand the rigor of tough times in the anticipation of a bright side beyond the struggle. Inspire, empower, and sustain us until we reach the mountaintop and see that future for which our hearts yearn. Amen. May it be so. 